Hey everybody, uh, thank you Lisa and Haley. Welcome or welcome back uh, to Sunridge. If you're listening by podcast or you're watching online, uh, you know that this message is recorded during the week, but during this time of COVID, you can still join us in an unrestricted, socially distanced outdoor service at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings right here on our campus. Just bring a lawn chair and your mask. I do wanna point out that some of you uh, are getting used to the online app that we're using, and I just wanna point out some things that perhaps you've already discovered, but if you look down toward the lower right part of your screen, you'll see a Bible app, and if you wanna follow along with the passages, most of them I put up on my screen here, but that app is available to you. There's also a notes tab, which has our message notes in it, but uh, it has other information in there, like uh, next steps, or what to do if you're new, or an upcoming event. And then uh, watch for our pop-up moments that come up that give you opportunities uh, for, to ask for prayer or to give. At Sunridge, we are on a mission to help people find and follow Jesus. And so we believe in the good news that Jesus welcomes everybody regardless of how far you might feel from God. And we believe that the Bible tells the story of how God is redeeming all things and people through Jesus. And so, Let's just jump into our teaching from the Bible here today, and I hope that it helps you encounter our Lord in a way perhaps that you never have before. I'm reading uh, today from the New International Version, Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. These are the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, it's easy with such a familiar passage to find our well-worn paths or even ruts they could be. Sometimes being familiar with the Bible can be helpful, but sometimes it can be unhelpful. In an unhelpful way, we could say, oh yeah, I know this. We don't give much thought to it, and we just kind of fall into, well, yeah, I know exactly what this is going to be about. But I want to encourage you, as I've tried to do, as I've, I've taught these passages many, many times, to have fresh eyes and fresh ears for what our Lord is saying. By way of review, I want to remind you that we started, Jed started us off in the study of the Sermon on the Mount by beginning at the end with the parable or the story about the two builders. And so I wanna remind you that we're building something here and we're building toward something. We're building toward the end of how Jesus uh, captures all of these thoughts in that story. But also we as Jesus followers are building lives where, that are built on values and beliefs and those values and beliefs and our faith must be based on the teachings of Jesus. Last week, we talked about the blessed ones in verses one through 12 of chapter five. And uh, we asked this question, who is Jesus talking to? And what we discovered in looking at who Jesus described as the blessed ones is that 
power isn't required or even necessary for us to have influence in the world. In fact, it doesn't come from power at all. And I want you to be thinking about that as we go through this passage today. I want to say a prayer before we jump into things. God, thank you uh, for leaving us such a clear uh, and yet so concise record of the teachings of Jesus. And so we give our hearts and our minds to that right now. We ask that your spirit would not just be in us or in us in this moment, but in how we live out our lives. And whether someone is listening to this as they drive to work on a uh, through podcast, or they're sitting at home in a living room with family or friends and watching it online, I pray that your spirit would speak to us wherever we are and in whatever condition we're in. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of things to understand before we jump into the specifics of being salt and light here. First of all, the you Jesus uses in this passage is collective, not individualistic. In other words, when he says you, he means you all, not like y'all, if uh, you're from the South. You could read this uh, we instead of I. So when Jesus talks about being salt and light, he's talking not just to you or to me or the church. He's talking to all of us that we are the salt and the light. Uh, when I was in the early part of my career as a firefighter, I worked for a captain who would often start his morning, our morning off by saying, you know, you know what we need to do today? And uh, pretty much I learned that we meant me after a while, but I would always stop him and say, hey, Cap, what do you mean by we? And it became a joke among us. He would just say, yeah, we is in you. You know what that means. But this we is not you or just me. It is truly us together, that we are salt and light together. And that's, that's good news, it's not bad news. And maybe for you, it's a little bit of new news. It's good news because it takes the pressure off, right? I mean, do you ever feel the pressure of like, like being the salt and the light of the world for Jesus' sake and that's all on me? That can be so uh, discouraging for one, but also anxiety-filled, that what if we fail? And often, as we try to live up to being salt and light in the world, we find ourselves failing or sometimes even making excuses for why we don't need to be salt and light. But also, uh, this idea of we dramatically changes how we look at the idea of being salt and light. Jesus foresaw, before even the teachings of Paul, the concept of the body of Christ. And so, often is the case that our worship, our learning environment, and certainly our witness, as Jesus is talking here, is collective. It's not individual. You see, being a Christian is not simply a personal experience. That's important because in America, we value our individualism. And uh, so our Christianity has become very individualistic. We talk about having a personal relationship with Christ, which obviously is true, but it's not true solely. And so, but it's, it's not true when we start to read the Bible only through our personal lens or experience church only through our personal experience. And whether we're reading the New Testament letters, the Old Testament prophets, we're not just alone in how we're living out our faith. 
I was a firefighter for many years. We've made jokes about that often, but you know, and I was still Brit. I was still the position that I held. I was still an individual, but I wore a patch that said the name of my fire department on it. So I was part of a collective. And as a Christian, I have an identity as well. And as we look at being salt and light, we have to remember that Jesus is calling us into a we identity in being that salt and light. Now, the second thing before we jump into this that I want to point out is Jesus tells them who they are before he tells them what to do. And it's a mistake to read this passage without considering that. And it's an even greater one to try to do it solely on your own. There is a be part here and a do part, but first is who. I picture this kind of like a coach or a friend or a parent that puts their hands on, their sh on your shoulder and they say to you, you are light, you are salt. Because this isn't just what you're trying to be, but it's who you are. That's what Jesus is pointing out. We're talking about living out our lives as the true new creation that the Apostle Paul talked about. That's important because who we are informs what we do, right? Who we are gives us priority. It informs the why we do things and the how, not just the things that we do. And so the Jesus, the, the audience of Jesus here, as they heard, they had to realize that they're not just their temple, their local temple. They're not just Jerusalem, their city. They're not just the Torah, the law, and all of its doctrines. And they're not even just the sect of their favorite group, whether a Pharisee or a Sadducee. They are salt and light together. And so that's true of us as well. You see, we're not just an SC or a UCLA fan. We're not just the rich or the poor or the black or the white or Democrat or Republican. You're not just a parent. You're not just an employee. You're not just a friend or a student or a coworker. You're not even just a church member. You are salt and light. And that is a distinctively Christian thought that we are something together. So when we talk about being the salt of the earth and the light of the world, it's so much bigger than just the things that we do. Who I am informs my allegiance, my loyalty, my concerns, and the realization that we are part of a greater whole. As Jesus' followers, the church, our togetherness gives us our place, and it also gives us a perspective. And who we are is what allows us to reimagine our, our world, our role in the world as God's agents of redemption, which is the big idea that comes through in these words of Jesus. So as we go through it, we seek to understand who we are before we try to do what Jesus is calling us to do. We have to allow Jesus' words to fall on us in this way. What did Jesus mean when he said they were salt and light? And that's important. Again, we've talked about this and when we've talked about hermeneutics or how to interpret the Bible. When we interpret the Bible, we try to put ourselves in the, in the, in the seats of those who are hearing them. How would they have understood 
what he was saying. And of course, the writer or the speaker, what were they trying to communicate at that time? The good news is that being salt and light is very similar to how we would look at it today. The metaphors uh, basically mean the same. First of all, let's talk about salt. Jesus says we are salt. We know that salt preserves and seasons. Their salt likely was obtained from the shores of the Dead Sea, and it was a preservative. Remember, there's no refrigeration at this time. It's a seasoning for them. Uh, they used it in purification. They, it brought flavor. They added it to sacrifices, and it marked the conversation of friends and peacemaking. And so living as salt includes this idea of the preservation of good. Now track with me here for a few moments because in, in the world that we live in today, we know that this isn't entirely God's world, that there's the prince and the power of this world, Satan or the evil one, but God's presence holds back or preserves things in our world that we can't even imagine. Just his grace and his presence is holding back things that without his presence and without his strength in, in holding or reserving or restraining the evil one, this world would look like a very different place. But that is also true of God's people, that we as the salt of the earth have a preserving effect on what's happening today. There's also the idea of seasoning here that living as salt means that we season the world. And I want to point out that it's not we don't just spice the world, but, but we bring the flavor to the world that many people are longing for. Last week, a few of us from staff got our lunch from uh, Waba Grill here in town, and they have a new flavor out. It's called sweet and spicy chicken. And so I love Waba's uh, teriyaki sauce, but I thought, hey, I'm going to try something new. We all did. And we, uh, as we were eating, um, what we discovered is the sweet and spicy was kind of light on the sweet and heavy on the spicy. We were sweating my face was breaking out in sweat. I got a towel or like a napkin and started wiping my face. It was a lot more spicy than it was sweet. So when we, when we bring seasoning to the world, there's, there's a bit of spice. But the intention isn't to be overly spicy, right? We want to be sweet and spicy. I hope you're tracking with my Wava Grill illustration there. See, a life without the presence of God or his people is like a world without salt. Now then when it comes to light, we know, and again, I'm saying the obvious, I realize, light illuminates darkness. It obviously, light enables us to see. If it weren't for the lights on me right now in our worship center, you wouldn't be able to see me. I'd just be sitting in the dark and be a melodic voice to put you to sleep. But if you've ever been in a place where you were relying on light and then you lost the light, you know how terribly uncomfortable that can be. It can go from just being inconvenient or it could be dangerous. You could be in some situations that without light, survival is at risk. Light is essential to survival. 
And, you know, the Bible talks about how the light dawns on us and that Jesus is the light. And Paul saw the great light when he was uh, converted. Uh, He was blinded by Jesus' presence. And so most of us, especially if you became a Christian later in life and you lived a a bit of life, you know that that when you saw the light, the way you saw the world, the way you saw life, the way you saw the people around you, it changed because the light of God is a, was illuminating the way you see or saw. But here Jesus specifically brings the light into a new light. And he is saying that the light we have is not just for us, but it is also a benefit to others. The light that Jesus brings isn't just for personal sight, but it also serves as a light for others. The light attracts others to it, and the light helps other people to see. It's important to say that we don't make the light. We are reflecting the light of God. Like the moon, we say the moon is shining. It's not really shining. It's simply reflecting the light that comes from the sun. And so our lives are kind of at a 45 degree angle from the light that Jesus shines on us. And we shine it back, not just in our world, but it shines back on to Jesus. Through Jesus then, as salt and light, we bring something that the world desperately needs, or we should. We bring the goodness and the preserving goodness, and the flavor, and we bring light. So without God's presence through his people, the world would be a dark and flavorless place. In both salt and light, Jesus talks about not just the necessity of us being that, but the downside and the danger should we not grasp fully who we are. And this is in your notes as well, the two threats to being light or being salt. The threats are number one, to lose our distinction. In referring to the salt in Matthew 5.13, Jesus says, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. That's hard to imagine what unsalty salt might be like, and strictly speaking, sodium chloride salt is a very stable compound, but salt can be contaminated. It tends to take up the chemicals and compounds that it's surrounded by, so it can be contaminated by impurities so that it becomes awful tasting or even dangerous. Sometimes we contaminate or flavor salt intentionally. Recently, I was was in a restaurant and they had jalapeno salt. It's a new level of salt for me. But for those of us who are being the salt of the world and this idea of, of losing our distinction, if the world assimilates into us like salt that's being contaminated either by sin or by our culture uh, or the, the ideals or the values of the day or the ways of the day, then we become not just useless, Jesus says, but we should just be thrown out. 
A.B. Bruce says that when we lose our saltiness, we go from being saviors of society to supplying materials for footpaths. See, contaminated salt is just like expired food. You don't keep it around. You get rid of it because it's just taking up space. The other threat, and this is in regard to light, is that we would lose our influence, that we would lose our distinction as salt, or that we would lose our influence. In verse 14 of Matthew 5, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In this metaphor that Jesus uses, he brings it with a short paragraph that identifies three different images that illustrate how light impacts darkness. He talks about a city on a hill whose lights are visible in the dark. You've all seen that as you're traveling or maybe you've driven up to the top, the west side of, of our valley and looked down on the valley and seen all the lights from far away. He talks about a small oil lamp, which gives light in a room, much like we would use a flashlight or the light on our iPhone. And then he talks about light as a metaphor for good works. But in every, in every like, nuance of the metaphor, Jesus is saying that lights are designed to shine. They are not to be hidden. It's why you have a light. It's why we use light. We shine that light. We don't hide it and we shine it for ourselves and we shine it for others. See, a hidden light is kind of a ridiculous idea. And here between these two metaphors, salt and light, Jesus brilliantly merges these ideas because one without the other is useless or one with the other is ineffective. Because if you emphasize difference, our distinctive as salt, then you can isolate yourself. We can become so focused as Christians today on being different that that difference becomes the, the, the foremost thing in our mind. And so that difference causes us to withdraw further and further and further. And we all get it. It's like we want to be different. And sometimes that different takes focus. And sometimes it, it calls for us to, to step away from the world. But taken too far, our differences can put us into kind of a holy huddle. With the other idea, light can compromise. That is, we can become so focused on interacting with the world and engaging uh, in, in our culture and being a part of what's happening that eventually we're compromising our, mor our morality, we're compromising our values, we're compromising even following Jesus because we're all caught up in other things. But the way Jesus blends them together is beautiful because he's really saying what good is a distinction without an influence? That is the, the one-two punch of salt and light. So I brought a little object lesson with me, and I know some of you, if this has been showing up on the uh, video feed, 
if, and if you're just listening, I have a salt shaker here and some French fries. Uh, these fries are from the quintessential Southern California burger fry experience. They're from In-N-Out. Um, and I've eaten some of them. I actually had an In-N-Out burger for lunch today, and so I brought this down. And I, I would like to just give a shout out that um, In-N-Out's fries are some of the top grade French fries. Not, I, truly, I've never met a fried potato that I didn't like. I'm very partial to obviously the In-N-Out fries, but um, I love the Chick-fil-A waffle fries as well. They tend to be so much more filling. And, uh, but you, you can hardly put a potato in oil, fry it up, and then put salt on it and you would disappoint me. I don't think that that can happen. But, you know, like with this salt shaker and these fries, this salt really doesn't help us unless it gets out of the salt shaker, right? Now, you know that In-N-Out fries are salted. Sometimes they're not salted enough, so I always ask for a salt packet because salt is good. Without it, I'm afraid my pump would cavitate. So it thickens up the blood, good for you. But you, you get this. I mean, like we, as Christians, it could be really easy for us to just want to cluster together in the salt shaker. And we can work so hard on what our, how, the quality of our salt uh, you know, we have today all these different kinds of salt. I mentioned the jalapeno salt, but, um, you know, some of you salt only with sea salt. I've noticed I've gone to restaurants where they do that, and there's all kinds of what I would call bougie salt. You know, there's the pink Himal Himalayan salt, and there's just all kinds of salt. We can get pretty snooty about our salt, but in the end, to focus just on the salt but not salting, is to miss the entire point. See, Jesus is saying that we can neither be compromised or cloistered. We can render Jesus' words here in this little section more actively to say, not only are you salt and are you light, but you salt the earth and you enlighten the world. That's fundamental to being a Jesus follower, not just distinct and different, and not just shining, but both together. The question is, do we? How do we respond to this? And this is the last thing in your notes. I asked this question, is Sunridge, because it's a we thing, right? Is Sunridge a salty light-filled people. I'm talking about me. I'm asking this question. I'm talking about you. And of course, I'm talking about we as a church. And how would you even measure that? A couple of things to consider. First of all, we should ask the question, in what ways are we different? In what ways are we different? And are we indifferent in the right ways? Or are we just like the world? Are we just like the culture that we're living in. And I don't just mean in our moral stances or 
the things that we say we believe, but the things that we talk about and the things that are important to us, are, do we just simply reflect the culture or is there something different about us? Am I like Jesus? Because that's the distinctive, right? Or is it more that the Jesus that I follow is more like me? You know the difference, right? Another way to ask this is, what do people know about you? What do they know about me? What do they know about Sunridge? Are we known to be Jesus-like? We say here that our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. And that is, a, there, of, of all the distinctives that we could have, this is the one that we choose to focus on. This is the one because it's the foundation for anything that we do. So in what ways are we different? And then secondly, in what ways are we influencing? In what ways are we being the light? You know, as a church, we glow together. Sunridge has a reputation. Not always good, right? Because we're not perfect, as no church is. But we glow together as we come together, as we as we become known in the community as Sunridge Community Church, and of course you a part of it, we, we bring a glow. It's like a lighthouse or a, or a way of a general illumination in our valley. And then also we choose to shine in focused and intentional ways. We've done this through different partnerships like with World Vision or with um, Dora Faith Orphanage down in Mexico and recently with with all the COVID pain that parents and students and teachers and families are experiencing, we did something we called the rally and we wanted to rally around parents and students. And so we've offered literacy links and connection opportunities and arts and crafts, just ways for kids to get out and ways for parents to get a break. And we've supported teachers as well, giving them gift cards for dinner and stuff. Why do some Christians seem to have an impact and others don't? I've, I don't know about you, but I've noticed that Christians and so too churches fade into oblivion many times. And they fade into oblivion because, number one, they become just like the world. And number two, because they hide from the world. We can do neither. Jesus said that he's done something in us that will make us so different and it cannot nor should it not be hidden. Is that us? And of course, I want to ask those of you who are exploring Christianity or you know, maybe your friend invited you to listen to this podcast or watch online or maybe you're even at some of our services. The question is, have you been drawn? Has the light drawn you? Is there something that the distinctive of that Sunridge Christian that you know or somebody else that you know that's like, yes, I want that. That seems so different than what I've experienced in my workplace or in my home. And I want that. I want that kind of home. I want that kind of marriage. And I want these kinds of kids. And I want this kind of community and sense of belonging in the world today. If you're ready to be a part, we invite you to be a part of a group of people who 
are doing our best to be Jesus followers in the world today. And that means showing, shining the light and living as salt. And if you're just checking it out, we invite you to be a part of us. We have a saying here, you can belong before you believe. We know that you should kick the tires a little bit on Christianity. You should check it out. You should be able to hang out and see what does it look like beyond the teachings, beyond the singing, beyond the things that you say or you believe. What does Christianity look like on a person? Because hopefully what you see is that you see Jesus because we're living out life as salt and we're shining our light as the light of the world that points to Jesus. I want to thank you again, uh, those of you that have been watching or listening, however you're getting this message, whether you're watching it online or listening on a podcast. I want to let you know that if you need help or prayer or if we can help you in any way, just go to our website. It's easy to remember, Sunridge Church. Dot org And you can scroll down to the bottom and click on contact and directions and there'll be an email address there. It says info at sunridgechurch.org and you can tell us what you want us to pray about or if you have a question or we can help you in any way or you wonder is there a book or a thought that follows up on what we're talking about today. Just let us know how we can help and we'll respond to that. We'll see you next week online or on campus. God bless you guys. Thank you.